0: Well, I've spent a little bit of time in the last few weeks looking at some of our most uh, recent census data. So we just had a census here uh, about a year ago or so and a lot of that data is now aggregated and available. Uh, And we're going to talk a little bit about that over the next couple of weeks. But some of the things that are coming out, uh, we expected things like uh, numbers of people that are, uh, you know, religiously affiliated are dropping, uh, we sort of saw some of that stuff coming. And then there's a couple of different stats that I saw this week that were really interesting. One that really stood out to me was that uh, as a general populace now in our country, more people see uh, Christianity and a couple of other religious groups as a more of a negative to society than as a positive. And that gave me some pause. I'm I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not happy about it, but it, but it made me interested. I thought... Gosh, why is that the case? Why have, you know, how have we swung so far so fast from a nation that was primarily a Jesus-believing nation uh, to one that now not only has strayed away from that, but also feels like uh, maybe we're doing more harm than good. And so so over the next few weeks, we're going to sort of dig into that idea a little bit through this concept that uh, we've come up with called Out of context. Now, here at IPC, we've got a mission statement. And the first half of the mission statement says this. It says, to introduce people to Jesus and to deepen our faith. That's our mission here at IPC. And those are two pretty intentional and pretty specific action items, right? The first, introduce people to Jesus. That implies that people that don't know Jesus or aren't into relationship with Jesus already get to know him. Right? And so that's one uh, group. of Maybe you're in that group here this morning here in the building or watching online. Maybe you would say, you know what, I, maybe I've been introduced but you know we're not friends yet or we don't know or we're not walking together. And that's sort of one group and that's a part of our mission here at IPC. And then the other is to deepen our faith. And the idea there implies that we're already walking with Jesus but we'd like to do a better job. We'd like to get to know Him more. How do we Look after and walk after the steps that Jesus walked after so that we can live more like Him and affect our community, our our country, our neighborhoods in a positive uh, manner. And I'm sure whether you're part of one camp or the other, one of the things that you would know either through experience or through hearing things is that a great way to do that, a great way to get to know Jesus better and to follow Him better is to dig into and read your scripture, right? We've got this uh, incredible resource um, of God's people through centuries, and we've got stories, and we've got history, and Jesus' life and death and parables in the beginning of the early church. It's incredible what we have at our disposal to get to know, to both be introduced to, and to grow deeper with our relationship uh, with Jesus. We know that Scripture is one of the best tools that we have to do that, but here's the thing. Uh, Scripture is sometimes only as good as our ability to actually read and understand it and discern it. And so what can happen sometimes is we can read something in our Bibles or you can read something in your Bible as a new believer or somebody who's just trying to figure out maybe you're studying it in school or you did, or maybe you've been Uh, in this, uh, this relationship with Jesus for a long time, and you continue to read your scripture, and you read something, and it can affect you a lot, and you can learn something from it, but you need to really understand and know how to use that first. And this is sometimes, I think, where we get into a little bit of trouble, and where as society starts to go, you know, maybe you're doing a little bit more harm than good. One of the areas that that happens is, is when we take scripture, and we use it out of context. We don't use it properly or we don't read it properly and interpret it properly so that we can use it in a way that it's intended to be used. And this happens two ways. It happens both by accident. Um, sometimes we just misread something or we don't know it yet and that's okay. That that can happen but usually that comes with self-awareness and you know it. And sometimes uh, it happens intentionally. People do it on purpose or they'll isolate something. And so over the next Few weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to take some of what I think are the most uh, misinterpreted, misused, out of context, both biblical verses and biblical themes, and we're going to just dissect them a little bit. We're going to uh, read it, we're going to isolate that verse, and we're going to say, This is kind of how most people use it, and this is how I've heard it used the most. And then we're going to talk about, one, why it's so important to be able to dig into the context around it, but also hopefully give you some tools uh, to be able to dig into that a little better. I think this series is both for people that have been walking with Jesus for a long time and people that aren't sure yet, because I think both ways it's going to help you learn how to use Scripture a little better and depend on it more. And so today we're going to start here, and, and you know, it's it's the beginning of May, Graduation season is upon us, right? If you're a college university student, you're just finishing or you just finished. If you're an elementary school or high school student, you're about to finish. It's going to be really soon. Um, maybe you're a teacher and you're looking or you're in some kind of education or administration, you're looking forward to that summer break. It's just kind of that season. We know it exists. And everywhere across the country, In Christian bookstores, for as far as you can see, on card displays right at the front door, you'll see a card and at the front of the card, it will say this, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And you walk into the Christian bookstore and you pick up that card and you go, oh, what a great encouragement for that student. I can't. And you write in it, hey, you know, thank you. We love you so much. Congratulations. Love, Aunt Debbie or whoever you are. And we put it in the card with a Tim's gift card and we give it to them and we go, God's got you. And now that's not wrong and I don't want to make light of that. But There's a little bit more to that story than just that isolated scripture. And so this morning, we're going to read around that scripture a little bit, and we're going to talk about where it falls in context, how to use it, and actually how it's more encouraging than you think, even though it maybe sounds like a bit of a downer when you read it in context. Are you all ready for that? Are we excited? Woo! Okay, good. I hope. So we're going to start, instead of keying in on Jeremiah 29, 11, which is that verse there, we're going to start from the beginning of the chapter, Jeremiah chapter 29. This is the text of the letter that the prophet Jeremiah sent to Jerusalem, to the surviving elders among the exiles and to the priests, the prophets and all the other people Nebuchadnezzar carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. Yes, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says. Do not let the prophets and dividers among you deceive you. Do not listen to the dreams you encourage them to have. They are prophesying lies to you in my name. I have not sent them, declares the Lord. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to your place. Here comes 11. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. And then you will call on me and come to pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me When you seek me with all of your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. A little long for the front of a card but really important. Okay, so let's just run through this really quickly, and let's see all of the little pieces that we've missed, and let's see how actually big and impactful this statement is. First, it starts with talking about Jeremiah being sent from Jerusalem to the surviving elders. So Jeremiah is an Old Testament prophet. He lives somewhere uh, between 626 and 588 uh, B.C., Uh, He's one of the prophets we know the most about because the book of Jeremiah in our Old Testament is one of the biggest. And so we see a lot, actually, of um, Jeremiah's personality and the things that he deals with and how he goes through those things as we read through that book. Jeremiah is sometimes known as the prophet of doom. Just remember that when you're writing the card because he predicted the fall and captivity of the Israelites out of Judea and Jerusalem uh, into Babylon. But as we see, he's also a prophet of hope because he gives people the knowledge that God is going to deliver them. Okay, so now we've talked a little bit too about all of these these Israelites in exile. Well, how did that happen? What does that mean? I mean, we could we could spend hours and hours in books, and I know you would love to do that, and you would like maps and history lef- lessons and diagrams and flannel graphs and everything else about how all the wars happened and how we got to where we got to. But in short, uh, God's people were being ruled by a, a, a king there in Jerusalem, in Judea. Um, the Babylonians took on Nineveh, which fell, Uh, Some people, the the, uh, Egyptians went to go try to recover that city, they failed, it sort of opened the gateway, the Babylonians worked their way down, defeated them, and then came into Jerusalem, sacked the city, and carried people away. Now there's there's a lot of history teachers that will be watching this right now going, hmm, you missed a 10-star, I know, I'm just not giving you the full history lesson, I would suggest that you go back, start in Jeremiah chapter 1 and read through, it's going to give you the history of how all that happened. But that's kind of how we got here. And so the Israelites have been carried away into uh, exile. And this is a really important period of time for those people because we're going to see God deliver them through. And finally, Jeremiah 29 is a letter. It's a letter from Jeremiah to those people in exile. So he's actually writing from Jerusalem, and he's writing to them as a prophet to instruct them. Okay, the next set of verses go like this. Um, this is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those I carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. That's verse 4. Now this is good to note too because in the beginning we know that it wasn't God who fought the war against the Israelites and carried them off. But at the beginning of this letter is very clear that God allowed this to happen. Two or three times it says, as I carried you out. As I carried you into exile. So that's that's important to know that this has actually um, been allowed. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they may too have sons and daughters. Increase in number. Don't decrease and also Seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. That's really interesting. We're going to get to that in a sec. Pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So what's going on? Well, God is instructing them and he's saying, you have been carried off in exile from your homes to a foreign land. But what I'm going to encourage you to do is settle down there. You're not, <laughs> you're not going to be leaving for a while. So settle in, establish your family, plant crops, work with the people around you. And not only that, and this is huge, pray for the people who have taken you into captivity. I'm, uh, I was going to try to summarize this, but I just can't say it as well. So there's a, a concordance that I was reading this week, and it just says this. Jeremiah writes to a specific situation in Babylon and offers faithful instruction in light of what he knows to be God's will for the common life of the exiles. He urges prayer for the welfare of Babylon and efforts towards the care for the families because there will be no quick return from exile. He assures the exiles that God has not forgotten them or become subversant to the power of Babylon. With the injunction to pray for Babylon, readers encounter an Old Testament form of Jesus' teaching from Matthew 5 to pray for one's enemies. Jeremiah's instruction to pray does not assume a generic prayer to be transported uh, from one to the other, or one setting to the other, but for all of God's people. And then the author of this says this. It says, in a perverse sort of way, the exiles might become comfortable thinking of themselves only as victims and the Babylonians only as the enemy. If so, the exiles would not go through the self-examination process that was necessary. If the Babylonians were only the enemy, then they could be blamed for all of Judea's, uh, Judea's failures. Instead, the exiles should pray for Babylon because it's their home and because in the near future the fate of Babylon will be the fate of their people as well. This is really actually interesting because God is saying um, you should pray for the circumstance that you're in all the time. Whether it's ideal, whether it's not, whether you're here where you'd like to be or whether you're on the journey, it's still important to pray for those around you. That's hard to do. (laughs) It's really hard to settle into that moment. And also, I love... This concept that you're being self-reflective. You're sitting here going, sometimes each and every one of my circumstances isn't just the fault um, of somebody else. And we're going to get to that in a little bit, this idea of God being in control. We'll either do that online through the series or from up here. But, you know, it reminded me of this meme. uh, If you don't know what a meme is, (laughs) that's probably better but it reminded me of this meme um, that said everything happens for a reason and then under it it says and the reason is sometimes you act dumb and you made bad choices. (laughs) And so God is sort of reminding the Israelites and as we read the beginning of Jeremiah all the way through, we see that the Israelites actually strayed away from what God was calling them to do. And so not everything that they're going through is entirely somebody else's fault. They're actually a part of that process too. let's continue on. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, why don't we put that part at the front of the card? In 70 years, the Lord will have plans for you to prosper you and When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come to pray to me and I will listen. You will seek me and find me and when you, when you seek me with all your heart. And I will be found by you and will bring you back from captivity. I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you and will bring you back to the place from which I carried you into exile. So this is the exciting part. Jeremiah absolutely lets them know that something good is coming. But there's some really, really important parts of this verse that don't end up on the front of that card, right? Right? Things that we isolate out because because when we isolate a verse like this and we just start to use it, it kind of begins to take on a little bit of a life of its own. And so what I'm going to sort of talk about is sort of the three misses here and how I think we can overcome them to actually use Scripture better. The first one, and you're going to hear me say this a lot, it might be the first one in every one of this series. It's when you isolate a verse, it can mean all kinds of different things. So let's get that verse back up there for me if we could. Right? This, this could mean a lot. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Now depending on the context, who tells this to you, whether it's on that card, somebody reads it to you, somebody just throws it at you, it could mean all kinds of things. It could mean good times or right around the corner. It could mean that your life is going to be fine. You don't need to worry about it. God has a plan. Um, It could mean that maybe God's plan for you isn't actually happening right now, but God's plan for you will happen. Maybe you look at it as a personal thing. Well, if this isn't the case for me, what am I doing wrong? Uh, You can look at it from a prosperity gospel perspective. Oh, the more I give and the more I do this and the more I that, the more I'm going to be Um, prosper. You could look at it from a harm perspective. If I'm being harmed is God really have a plan for me if I'm in trouble? And you can see how all of a sudden we isolate something like this and it can really take on a life of its own. Have you ever seen a scripture take on a life of its own before? Sure. Now this is an uplifting one so we don't think about it that way. But we need to remember that everybody hears things based on the context that they're in. And so if we isolate something like this and we say it to somebody without maybe a little bit of explanation, we can get into a little bit of trouble or make that person feel like a little bit more isolated and get into a lot of trouble. So this is, this is a huge encouragement, and we're seeing that through this, this scripture, and we're going to see that here in a second. But isolating it gets us into a bit of trouble because it can mean all kinds of different things. So that's sort of our first miss here. The second one is how the plans will be revealed. There's very specific instruction in this scripture that we don't always quote about how those plans are revealed. You will seek me. You will call to me. You will... Pray to me. You will run after me. You will ask me and I will deliver to you. How often do we know people that would read this? Oh, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. Great. I will sit back and wait. What's taking you so long? We've all been there. We forget that second part. We take it out of context and we forget that part of knowing God's plan for you is seeking after the plan, is asking for it, is actually walking with Jesus to know what He's looking for and what He has plans for you in your life. We can know that there are plans without knowing what the plans are. Does that make sense? Like, if um, somebody came over here right now and just dropped a whole bunch of Lego on this table and said, you know, build a, so I haven't built Lego lately. What do we build? Build a Star Destroyer if you're a Star Trek Wars person. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Um, you could get, You could say, build a Stanley Cup, and Leafs fans would go, I don't know how. Um No. That's mean. Stop. Leafs fans have been reading this since 67. Um, It's okay. You avoided the Bruins in the first round. Um, And there's a difference between me knowing how to build that thing and knowing, well, gosh, there are instructions somewhere and actually maybe asking somebody, can I have the instructions? (laughs) Can you walk me through them? Can you help me build this together? Those two things are different. This is, there is a plan. But then God says, here's how you access the plan. You seek after me. You find me. You look for me. You pray. You call on me with all your heart, and it will be revealed to you. That second part is so important because the first part without the second part actually doesn't help us that much. And here's the third miss when we isolate this scripture. It might take a minute, right? For the Israelites, it took 70 years. That's a while. And we joke sometimes in our uh, house every once in a while that we'll joke about God having a plan and then waiting 70 years for it to be fulfilled because we just have a little bit of fun with this one back and forth. And of course, that's not always the case. But it's important to remember that we don't read something like this and walk out and tomorrow it all starts to come together. We journey with God. It's, it's something that we need to do every single day. And that happens because we are fallen people. We've fallen away. Our relationship with God isn't how it was supposed to be or how it was intended in the beginning. And so because of that, it's just a little different for us. And we need to be able to seek after him and find him so that we can be on this journey together. And sometimes we just need to be able to camp out where we are and pray for the people around us and pray for our situation and continue to seek God in that and not blame everything that's going on. We just focus. And so you can see, even just in the last 20 minutes as we've gone through this, this is an amazing verse. It comes with an incredible amount of hope for the future. But if we isolate it, we miss so much, and we can so easily use it in the wrong context and not actually um, be helpful. If you're not a follower of Jesus right now, if, if that mission statement part that we talked in the beginning, you're in that introduction stage, um, let me ask you this. When you feel like you're in exile, when your life circumstances aren't where you think that they should be, where do you go looking? What's the thing that you turn to? How do you get yourself out? How do you know that there might be a hope for the future? I don't actually, um, and, and this is just sort of um, one of those spots where, you know, as I have so many friends that that grew up and in their, you know, mid-20s or in their 30s uh, got to know Jesus, and they have this this story and that the way they can actually talk about how before, as they were moving through their life, um, they weren't really sure what to grasp onto and how that changed when they got to know Jesus. I don't have a story like that. I became a Christian when I was four, grew up in the church, knew I wanted to be a youth pastor when I was 11, and have basically worked in the church since I was 18, so I don't have that ability to grasp. So when I say, what are you grabbing onto, it sounds like this kind of like gotcha question, but it's an honest question. What is it that you grasp onto? Because I know for me, a verse like this in a a scripture section like this is really helpful because it gives me context into how God works in my life. It gives me context into how that goes and that I might need to wait and what that looks like, but ultimately that God will deliver me through If you're a Christ follower, hopefully you haven't read this verse before and gone, well, it's right around the corner. Or, oh, I don't have to do anything to get there. I hope not. And if you have, this is my encouragement for you to take a breath, step back and go, okay, maybe this is something that I'm waiting on because I'm not taking the steps that I need to take towards Jesus. Maybe that's you this morning. And if it is, I would encourage you to get back to seeking after God and praying and looking for his instruction for what you're looking for. If this isn't you, if you're not in relationship with Jesus yet, my encouragement is this. Just think about that in your life. Where do you go for encouragement? How do you know what's next? Because there's a group of people in this room and on staff and all over our country that really know that. They know that it's solid. They have a firm foundation in Christ, and we would just love to tell you a little bit about that and how it works in context. So here's what I want you to take home as we sort of wrap up. God does have a plan for you. He does. And it is a plan to prosper you and not harm you and to give you hope and to give you a future. It might take a minute and you definitely have a part to play. (laughs) But it is there. So, If you're going to a graduation party this afternoon or you're going to one in a month from now and you see this card, I'm not telling you not to buy it. I'm telling you to write the rest within it. Be the wisdom in that. Be the encouragement. Say this is important and put a big giant arrow to the middle and say, and this is how. Because that's where that encouragement is going to come from. Because when we use Scripture well, when we use it in context, not only do we get to know God and our relationship with Him better, but we get to bring people along that journey with us too. Amen? Okay, let's pray together. God, thanks so much for this morning. Thank you for providing Scripture to us. Thank you for the hope that verses and chapters like this give us, that we have a hope for the future, that you want what's best for us, that you want us to prosper, that you want to give us peace, that you know what's coming for us next. God, I pray for all of us that are following you that we would use this information well. That we wouldn't be tempted to just sit back on our heels to blame our circumstances to sit down and wait for you to act but Lord we would take an active part in this journey along with you as we move towards Jesus. And Lord I pray for those people that might be listening or watching or here that just aren't sure yet. Uh, God I pray that um, they would see something like this and be encouraged. uh, And know that you do have a plan and that it is tangible and it is something that we can grab onto and that when we start seeking you, you will be found. And when that happens, just how unbelievable and exciting that is. Lord, thank you for the blessing of scripture. Thank you for the blessing of those around us that get to teach us and encourage us about these types of things each and every day. And Lord, I just pray that you would bless us as we continue to try to find out what living life beside you looks like.